1: Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show, with Dave, Honky,
0: Mac, and Boomer. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I am with
1: Honky. Hey, tonight is lucky show number 13 for the Redcast, so we are officially a teenager We want to thank all of our fans out there who have watched us grow from a small little podcast back in April to the big boy show we are today.
2: Nice. We're in the big boy pants. And I'm with Mac. Hey, Redcasters. If you're anything like me, you're knee-deep into your game prep week work. I've already got all my chili ingredients, all the bush light I can handle and several cans of tomato juice. Go Big Red. All about the red beer. Filling it
3: home. And Boomer. I'd like to remind Husker Athletics in their ongoing tiff with uh, Fox Sports and their Children of the Corn promos that all of our issues could easily be solved by reverting to the Bug Eaters nickname, and that would take all the branding issues totally away.
0: That's true. Yeah, no more Children of the Corn issue with the Bug Eaters. That solves everything. All right, awesome, guys. Well, uh, I was happy to watch some football last week, including a Stanford Cardinal beatdown of Rice 62-7 to that uh, changed the ESPN uh, football power index uh if you recall the fpi slated nebraska for about a five or six win season uh f- to uh have the cardinal win the pack 12 over usc and washington just after that one game so there's hope for the huskers after all i think that game was actually in australia of all places you know it's one of those neutral site games that is uh littering the early part of the football uh, season well, schedule. That's- that's what Nebraska needs to do. We just need to play in Australia, I guess, and,
1: and we can turn around our 6-6 ah. six and six, uh, FPI rating or 5-7 and seven or whatever we are with them.
0: Hey, you get out you know, we early had a, in
1: week zero and that helps. <laughs> we had a Twitter poll last week actually about neutral sites, and it was oh, yeah. regarding the, the Wisconsin-Notre Dame game that was announced in the home and away series we talked about it last week, and, and we were asking Redcasters, are they in favor of those types of games, yes or no? And 57% said yes, 43% said no. We had 201 votes for that. And uh, we asked them to discuss, and the Redcasters, they did discuss. Uh, We had quite a few people uh, kind of chime in. Alan Quartermain told us, uh, I think the national coverage of neutral neutral site games is bigger. It draws more attention and increases ratings. Jeff Swoboda said, I don't understand the economics of not using the home stadiums. Husker Hype said, I'm greedy and I like to see my Huskers at home in memorial. The fans wait all year for a few Saturdays in Lincoln. Why take one away? And John Bodamore said great rivalry should be with home fans. Suggests neutral sites on- are fit only for conference
0: championships. Fair enough, fair enough. I like that first Twitter handle, Alan Quartermain. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's interesting. Uh, last time Nebraska did a neutral site uh, regular season game was when, Honk.
1: A regular season neutral site game?
2: Yeah. Gosh, I don't... Was it Okie I mean, I State? guess it would have to be like
1: a kickoff classic kind of thing. Would that be 94 West
0: Virginia? Yeah,
2: that's what West I was thinking, kickoff classic.
1: I'm not having anything Did we else. not
0: play Okie State in, in Arrowhead at some point? That wasn't really
1: neutral site. That was actually their home game that they just chose to play at Arrowhead because they could sell more seats and have more Husker fans at it. Joe Walker had a big punt return or kickoff
0: return in that game, if I recall right. Um. All right, so it's not neutral site, I guess, but yeah. it is neutral site because it was. Okay, well we I'll called it that. something different back then, Dave. <laughs> right, <laughs> and right, it, right. That was okay. And State if you just look doing at, a money grab, I like yeah. unlike these, so I understand. If
1: you look at Nebraska's upcoming, <laughs> well, we've schedules, got a bunch of we, those. If you look at our upcoming schedules, we have a bunch of home and away scheduled already. Uh, except for in 2020, there's a perfect opening, the first game of the year, that could end up being a a neutral site contest for Nebraska. And so, if it's something that's as rare as that. I don't have a huge issue with it. I don't want it to become
0: a, an Alabama kind of thing where every year we're doing one. Sure, sure. I hear you. Well, anyway, um bunch of neutral site games coming up here in week one of the season. And, uh, you know, a lot of stuff, uh, you know, there's real football that played last week. Um, uh, CSU there, Colorado State, right there in Max' maximum town of uh, Fort Collins, kicked off the season versus Oregon State, the beeves and uh, took care of business for the Pac-12 team. Uh, a lot of stuff happening in Lincoln as well. Uh, just today, we had depth chart re- uh, released, black shirts announced, the captains came out, first press conference. So we are really revving up uh, for Week One. Um, I'm going to start with Mac. What's what's on your on your mind with all, all the
2: the news today? Well, I was I was kind of you know excited to see the depth chart release, uh, the black shirts were given out today. You know, no drama. Nothing like that. I I like that this coaching staff seems to try not to add any kind of, of their own flavor to this. They like, understand their tradition and they just kick out the black shirts as soon as they have them. I understand they gave out a few more than that is maybe strictly traditional, but that the way defense is played now, you know, a hard eleven starters. It's kind of a that's kind of a thing of the past. You know, it's it's to clarify, it, make, Mac, it makes what, sense. What's what that?
0: Was the total? What was the total number handed out? Sixteen. I 16, think. Sixteen. Yeah. It? Yeah.
2: But, uh, you know, getting, getting back to the depth chart, um, I don't know that I was particularly surprised on much of it. I think a lot of it was kind of what we heard was uh, going to come out of camps. The running back position still sort of, you know, tied up with a bunch of oars in terms of the depth chart. Although it's, it was nice to hear that Jalen Bradley for sure isn't going to be redshirting. I mean, Mike Riley said that today in his press conference. So that's a good sign for him. It's a good sign that, you know, it's, it's rare that a good – Freshman running back actually does redshirt, so um, and it's not exactly uh, news, but it's nice to hear. So, and, you know, Tyjon Lindsey, you know, exciting. That's not going to surprise anybody either. I don't know, Matt or Honky, did you hear uh, Did you hear anybody on the – is our freshman coming on that surprised you that are on the depth chart? Well, I think just in general,
1: his name started coming up the
2: last week or two, but that Brendan
1: Hymas at left tackle just being on the depth chart, I think we had mm. seven – total freshmen that were on the depth chart uh one of them being jebbio so let's just call it six let's assume that he's not really right. on the depth chart let's hope he's not going to be on it because that would mean that we'd have to have an injury for him to be playing um the one guy that i was a little surprised wasn't on it was gus uh guy thomas just because i just thought he'd probably be you know oh, the, yeah. the third uh probably the third uh was that the cat or the dog <laughs> the linebacker the uh the outside guy, there, uh, <laughs> basically the He's one cat, out, outside think, of he? Alex and yeah. Cedric King. Yeah. Dog is the open Cedric, side, right? Yeah. Just, yeah. Dog is the open side guy. Uh, so, like this, you know, the the wide side, and then the the cat is mm-hmm. the, the the short side guy. And I believe that's what um, Alex Davis and Cedric King are, the boundary mm-hmm. side yeah. essentially. Um, but, anyways, uh, yeah, I mean, it was pretty much the guys that we we had looked at that uh had been talked about in the last couple weeks we did a poll a couple weeks ago about how many freshmen were going to be playing and 90 percent of the people thought it was going to be five or less and i've kind of maintained i thought it was going to be at least six or more and just from what we saw there like i said seven on the the list that didn't include thomas so that's really eight subtract jebbia back to seven but i think that we'll probably have at least about seven guys probably playing
2: at some point this year You know, Thomas is the backup to Stoltenberg though. Was that kind of a surprise at all? I was a little surprised how He actually got some good press, but Yeah, just size-wise, he he didn't whatever. I didn't
1: think him coming in was going to be big enough to be just a nose tackle. I'm expecting you know Vincent Valentine kind of size guys that you need in there, which is kind of what Daniels is, but Thomas, you know, he they said that he was really good in the pass rush side of things, so he seems like he's kind of a nice change of pace from stoltenberg out there and i agree with you yeah, Mac. Right I, yeah. I agree with you mac on the on the drama piece i think that from what they've kind of had happen the last couple of years um where you can say there was too much drama the captains you know they've had alex lewis and they had uh, nate jerry and and i think you know they really went out and got five captains that are just you know really good guys that aren't going to cause a lot of drama we you know um This and they've brought it up that this has been a drama free camp.
0: That really, I think that probably is the talk about those captains. For
2: yeah, I'm glad you said something about that Mm -hmm. because I, I, he specifically, Riley, that is, specifically mentioned that a few times that in terms of you know things going smoothly, there was just a few occasions of guys missing, you know, being late for a meeting or oversleeping for a breakfast or a lift, but just that very minimal thing and just a few instances of that now. I don't necessarily know what the norm is for college football teams, but that sounds really good to me. That sounds like something that we maybe were having problems with in the past when you hear about, you know, what the underclassmen were saying about the outgoing seniors, that it seems like this team is really focused on business. You know, they're just there to work. Mm -hmm. I hope that translates into something, you know, really positive on the field. You feel like it does, but I think that's a major point that he brought up a couple of times. Like, drama free. And he's right. I mean, aside from, you know, Stanley Morgan and Reed getting busted down in Florida. I mean, I'm I'm trying to think, you know, of any other behavioral things that I'd even heard of.
1: Well, and think about that, Mac, when those things did happen, even even the the Reed and, and uh, Morgan thing back in, what was that, May or June? Those things kill momentum. I mean, and thankfully, they happened when they did in that case. But like, if you go back a year ago, and some things you can control and some you can't. Sam Fultz thing obviously you couldn't control. The the coach Williams thing a year ago. That was something that could have been controlled, but those things killed momentum and you felt it throughout fall camp. It just kind of it the, the, it kind of lingers over. There's nothing lingering over this program right now. Like right now it's just go about your business and and let's go play Arkansas State. Let's get this thing done this week.
0: Yeah. They've had had two full weeks to to get ready for the Red Wolves, so that's that's a good sign. Mm-hmm. Um, quite a quite a bit of Nebraska flavor to that captain list too, right, Honk? I mean, we have a couple walk-ons there, and Gerald uh, Foster. I mean, that's that's interesting too, huh? Lincoln Elkhorn, and and Carney are
1: are well represented. You have uh, Luke McNitt, the fullback. So right there, that's that's kind of you know double brownie points there. You got a Lincoln kid, and he happens to be a or I'm sorry, you have a Nebraska kid, and he just happens to be a fullback at it. And then you've got Chris yeah. Weber, the Elkhorn kid, also a, a former walk-on, and then uh, Gerald Foster, the in-town in kid, the Lincoln, Lincoln boy. And so we've got, you know, here we are. We've we, we've got five captains. They all seem to be really good uh, kids. I mean, th- these are guys that that they haven't gotten in any kind of trouble. They're good faces of the program, and and I think they're going to be good leaders. I'm I'm excited to 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 get going, and I'm glad that we're doing season captains too, and not trying to do some. You know, in different years we've done things where we've done yeah, captains for the thing, week sure. and stuff like that. Now this is this is the right route to go.
2: Plus they were cool. all really high Wyoming targets oh, at the beginning yeah. part of their career. So it's always nice if you can keep those guys around.
1: Every one of them <laughs> could have been highly successful in
0: Laramie, I can tell you that. That's right. Well, we got a uh, packed show here today, obviously. Uh, end of the show, maybe we'll start doing a few of our uh, weekly uh, game predictions and Honky can take uh, Wyoming if he wants. Uh, but before we get to there, we'll, we'll do some uh, some scoring explosion and throwing the bones, talking to offense defense, uh, doing a woman breakdown in Arkansas State, uh, whole nine yards here this, this week. Scoring explosion the offensive breakdown. And now on the Go Big Redcast, we are going to the scoring explosion. This is our offensive breakdown. We'll do this once a week where we're diving deep into our game plan, trying to do a little X's and O's, just kind of breaking down what we think we might see out there on Saturday. Uh, Honky, uh, you've uh, been thinking about this a little bit. What do you expect to see out there on Saturday?
1: Well, I'm going to actually use Riley's quotes uh, uh, for any of the fans out there that were watching Sunday night, that day-by-day uh, show that is on each week. Uh, Riley was interviewed and was asked about kind of the offense. And a, a couple of the quotes he meant, he said I, I thought really stuck out. One of them was he talked about uh, 94% of Big Ten teams win. And I don't know if he was just talking about the last year or the last five years. I'm not sure what the, the time period was. But he said 94% of Big Ten teams win when they run the ball more than the opponent, and when they have less turnovers. And then on top of that, he talked about the multiple personnel groups, and that's something that we, as a, as a RedCast, we've been talking about the last couple of weeks: the the fact that we're recruiting, you know, six, seven, eight tight ends, the fact that we're recruiting fullbacks. Um, that that sets us apart just from a personnel grouping. And he said our change of pace isn't about tempo; it's about getting into different personnel groups. So we can get into a big set, we can get into a slot, we can get in. And they have all these different positions, and that's why they they almost look at their offense like they have fourteen or fifteen different starters. They look at J D Spillman as sure. a starter because he's the starting slot back, even if we just line up in a regular I formation, two wide receiver set, and and. He's not on the field. He's still a starter because he's starting at a, at that position.
0: Depth chart. I had uh, two tight end positions starting. Did you see that? Yeah. I mean, again, yeah, I think yeah, that actually, they're just
1: yeah. they're listing you know yeah. as many. Yeah, two tight ends. I mean, two three.
0: Yeah, that's that's really really interesting. I, I so and they have thirteen so starting talk me positions. Through that a little bit for, Yeah. Yeah. Talk me through that just a little bit then. So. I mean, from a strategy standpoint, you're really making your opponent um, really have to prepare for a lot of different sets and a lot of different packages um, and shuffling their defense in and out to match who you have out there in the field. So is that something you're expecting kind of to see there on Saturday night? And I guess, are they going to hold some of this back a little bit? Uh, Keep it vanilla if things go well, if they're... uh, you're know, play in Oregon next week?
1: I wouldn't keep personnel groups vanilla at all. I would show them every personnel group. I would show them mm. every formation. You can conceivably show them. And what you run out of that, sure. you can keep very vanilla. But that's where that's where I would get tricky. I would show a lot of sets. I would force a defense to have to, to line up and be prepared to line up and see a lot of different things. And so when you are prepared to, to play again, we will inevitably line up in a four-receiver set at some point and will inevitably line up in a two or three tight end set at one point. And when you're a defense having to prepare for both, and a fullback on the field and, and, and all that, that's just a lot to take on. Plus, we're going to play against some teams that are not going to prepare against that very often. Um, and so when when that's the case too, when you're kind of the one team that's coming out and showing some sets that maybe
0: they aren't used to seeing,
1: that gives you, I think, a bit of an advantage too.
0: Mac, do you agree or disagree on on that uh, honky breakdown of the offense? What do you expect to see out there?
2: Um, You know, for the first week, it's always kind of difficult, you know, what you expect to see, what you hope to see, and what you might see. I don't think they're going to show much. I think they'll probably – I think what this coaching staff is going to look for is execution and and efficiency. It, It won't be fancy. It'll be, you know, lining up cleanly. You know, no procedural issues, you know, short passes, some screen game, some running back passes. And then I really think if things are going well, a heavy dose of run game, just to kind of get that hammered out. Because the backs of all of the people in camp have had the least amount of, like, true evaluation because they haven't been able to take contact. This will be the first time they can take contact. So you'll start to see maybe a little separation between those guys based on who's better coming in and out of tackles, you know. the You know, the passing game will look pretty similar to what it did in, in practice, you know. You complete the ball, you kind of have an idea of how much he'd run for afterwards, but the backs really have had a hard time, or the running game in general, I think it's had a hard time being completely evaluated. So, assuming the passing games go pretty well, I'd see a lot of that. I don't think you're going to see a lot of end rounds or a fly-sweep game unless it's maybe to specifically get, like, some of those freshmen going but, yeah, uh, and that would be another fun thing, too. I would love to see, you know, we talk about this for years, but I'd love to see us play well enough to get some depth, you know, get some backups on there and let them play. That might be a little optimistic, but who knows, you know? Um, Patrick O'Brien getting some time on the field this, this early would be great for this team. So, and you know, if Jalen Bradley's not going to redshirt, he's got to play. Yeah, and those guys are, you know, when they talk about that, when they say they don't redshirt a player then that means he's going to be in the game plan. So it wouldn't be it wouldn't be unusual to see him. For I will game. say
1: this. I think that it scares me to think that, that our backs haven't had a chance to, to get tackled and get hit, and, and we have to wait and, and get that kind of evaluation after a game. I mean, they've had an entire camp to do that. So if we haven't been if, – if there hasn't been enough tackling, enough bringing down to the ground, enough breaking tackles, that concerns me on multiple fronts, defensively and offensively, because that would tell me that we – we didn't effectively use uh, camp as well as we should have. Um, I so And we have plenty of depth at running according back.
2: According
1: to you. Well, according to – I'll tell you what. I, I watched Stanford uh, – Just
2: according to you, that's just I a wa- philosophy difference for you. I watched
1: Stanford you. play the other night, and that was a team that they could have run the ball 90 times if they wanted to, and they would have got 15 yards of carry against Rice, that just the way they were running it. So my point is that is – that is something that they emphasize in practice. So I'm saying, I'm saying that I hope this isn't the first time to evaluate our running backs getting taken down to the ground, or, or them being able to break tackles, or our, you know, because if it is, if that's the case, we're going to sure. be in a, a boatload of trouble because they're not going to be <laughs> used to breaking tackles, and our that would also mean our linebackers and on the defensive side, they're probably not going to be real adept at making tackles. So.
2: Again, Right, I, but with the exception of Jalen Bradley, they all played college football last year. So it's not like they've never been tackled. I mean they've all played. Except for Jalen's so and we can assume yeah, you can't
1: get, get better at what you're doing. So they're they're the best at, at, what they're at what they're doing in terms of running and tackling.
2: You can get better at being tackled, I guess. I don't know.
1: Yeah. I, I guess I <laughs> well it's getting better at not getting tackled. I'm right? agreeing to I'll agree to disagree here with a little bit with you there. I don't think that this is the first
0: well, evaluation. We'll, we'll for see out break there, there guys. I, I mean, I'll just, I'm yeah, not I trying mean, to get into I that. I don't think last there. year. Honky, I mean, yeah, I mean, do you think last year we were unprepared to play Fresno state uh, from a physicality standpoint. I, I don't think that, that was the case. I don't know why it would suddenly be this year.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think we had a week. I think we had a weak fall camp last year. I do. And I, and I think it's one of the reasons why, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm more scarlet colored glasses this time around than i was a year ago is that i think that we are more physically prepared i, I give credit to diaco on that i give credit to guys like like Perella i think you didn't you, you saw and tell me if you guys didn't hear a difference from oh, the sure. BTN guys a year ago it was Donardo talking about you know that we had a pac-12 type practice this year they're talking about how efficient we were they talked about how fast-paced it looked i know they didn't come out and say they were just you know hitting you know non-stop you know headbutton each other i'm not saying it's like that but i'm saying i think that i think there is a different pace i think there is there is a more physical brand of football that that we are going to play this year and and my whole point from the beginning of is that it's just that you know we're not going to have we're not going to be getting the first evaluation of these guys taking
0: hits against arkansas state if we are that's just that's yeah just stupid. i hear you i hear you <laughs> all right well anything else on the o side anything uh, else to break down offensively boomer what's the uh what's the spread on this game uh what are we expecting uh
3: well the current numbers uh from our good friends in the uh las Vegas uh we've got uh-huh. the over
0: under is 47 with nebraska a seventeen point favorite. that's a relatively low scoring game it seems like to me so that's that's interesting i guess we'll 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 see how, the, how that breaks out. Throw
1: the bones. The defensive breakdown.
0: All right. Well, let's uh, shift gears, and let's go ahead and uh, throw the bones. Let's head over to the defensive side of the ball. And, uh, Honky, you were breaking down you know, some of the practice there, a little bit there, um, talking about the physicality and whatnot. Uh, and with the, the press conference today, some of the um, – the quotes coming off from the offensive side of the ball, uh, DPE I think was saying this, et cetera, was how much uh, you know challenge it was to go against Diaco's three four in practice. Um, not that we're going to see three four all over the place. I don't think Arkansas State plays three four. I could be wrong. Um, but how, how do you see the shift of the three four playing out in Week One, and and you know, has it made you know the program in general, at, to your point, more physical? I guess uh, this preseason. Well, I'm I'm curious how much, you know, 3-4 we're going to see this weekend.
1: Diaco has already made it clear that, it, that they're going to go about 50-50 between the 3-4 and the 4-3 just in general. Um, you know, right. there's there's a certain part of me that that kind of like what he did in the spring game. I almost wonder are we just going to see exclusively 4-3 and just think that we're going to just beat, you know, Arkansas State just running, you know, a base defense like that and and still not show a 3-4. I mean, would he would he dare go that that route and and so that it it gives nothing for oregon to go off of i have no idea
0: explain to me like so in if we are in a a true 4-3 what what's our front four then in that situation
1: if if we're in a true 4-3
0: yeah, I mean, you're saying we're going to see fifty-fifty, mm-hmm. and, and there's a difference between a a, a three-four where we're just simply bringing up the that linebacker, and it looks like a four-man front. Correct. Or are we actually having instead of a nose tackle, two D tackles and two D yeah, ends? Yeah, it's I, that's it's what gonna, I'm trying to figure well, out. Well,
1: it will look like what we saw in the spring game. It's it's that cat linebacker, which is the Cedric King, Alex Davis, Guy Thomas guy, would that player would come up become an actual hand on the ground D end. Um, the nose tackle and one of the D that one of the D the DN that is Carlos Davis basically or Khalil Davis backing him up they would become kind of right, the two D in. tackles and then freedom, uh or Ben Stilley or so, you know Deshaun Neal that would become the sure. other DN.
0: Uh, so let's talk about the uh, the gap assignments then. Has that changed their their um, assignments uh, on that D line then? That you know, I, fundamentally compared to the three four.
1: See what I think. I don't know for sure if they would still be a two-gap assignment in the 4-3. That that's what I, I'm not positive about. They they are definitely a two-gap in, in, in the 3-4. So what that means there is if you think of tackle to tackle on the offensive line, you basically have six gaps outside the tackles, between the tackle and guards, and between the guards and centers. That's six gaps, and you have three guys on the D-line to cover them all. So the nose tackle takes both guard gaps. The uh, D-ends are taking the, the gaps on the – on the uh, between the tackle and the guard and outside the tackle. That's how that works. When you get into the 4-3 side of it, I'm not sure if they, they continue to maintain that two-gap responsibility. It's really hard to do two-gap. Um, it's hard to do two-gap in a, a 4-3. That was something that Pelini was doing, uh, and when we got away from that, we were really happy to get away from that. It, it made our D linemen look like yeah, we were standing absolutely. up, and, and it looked like we weren't real aggressive because there was a lot of reading and reacting. I remember Charlie McBride, talking about that after Planey was fired and saying, yeah, we just didn't do it because it was really hard to do. So I'm curious to see, I asked Perella that question at the coaches clinic and he did not want to answer it. I, I just asked him, you know, how, what are you guys doing to coach <laughs> up, you know, how they do this, this, the, the two gap in the three, four. And, and I'm
0: curious to see how it, how he does it. I don't, I'm not sure yet. Yeah. I uh, should, we be watching a lot of like Wisconsin film on that, right. They've been running the three, four for a while um, I mean is there something to be learned from uh, watching uh, a, a few teams that have been doing the three four like Alabama as well I guess I think I you'd
2: know. have to go back to his Notre Dame mm-hmm. tape honestly because yeah, he, yep. he has kind of a from my understanding of it he plays a, a different uh, variant of it than what Wisconsin strictly plays and I'm not even going to pretend to understand the nuances of it but um, but I think, yeah, if you could go back to the Notre Dame tape, you get a pretty good idea how he lines them up. And it also be curious if they, I don't know if, if they switched, is it his history to kind of fluctuate or not fluctuate, but uh, switch between a 4-3 and a 3-4? Is that something he normally does, or is that something he's going to do for the time being here because of the personnel? You know what I mean? Would he rather be base 3-4 and just kick that 4-3 all the way to the curb? Or is he just doing that because of how this personnel lines up? Currently, it's my a great question. Yeah, it's my, it. my
1: understanding is this is how he's done it. You know, and he, and he came in here right away, okay. and he said this is, you know, f- from from day one, he he said that the, that they would do both, and on top of that, he talked about how, and you know, Diaco uses his own language with things, but he said that this was this is the Nebraska defense. This isn't his defense. This is the Nebraska one, and and. And it's gonna be a little different than what they did at UConn. It'll be a little different in their dame and you know, blah blah, all that stuff. But I, I think that I think that this is a way for them to be multiple. They like to get into different fronts and I mean I was pretty surprised when he said fifty fifty and he's said that now multiple times. He's serious about getting into the the four three as much as the three four.
2: Interesting. In the Wisconsin, yeah, the Wisconsin like three four know. is just
1: it's different. You know, they I don't think they do the two gap stuff at Wisconsin. I'm probably speaking a little bit out of turn there because I, I can't say that with all certainty. But Wisconsin, you see a lot Come on, of hockey. Do your research. Well, with Wisconsin, you see a lot of the, the that pro style uh, six guys standing up. They might have a nose tackle with the hand in the ground, but I mean, they might they might have one guy down yeah. and there's six or seven guys that are floating around. You don't know who's coming from where. I don't. Think we're going to see that or much of that in our three four? That's,
0: I mean, what I, hmm, I mean what I heard today from some of the offense was saying that that they saw so many different looks from this defense, you never knew what was coming. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know. I guess that that's something to look for on on Saturday. That's night. what Al
1: Groh, He was interviewed by one of the papers this week, and Al Groh, who has been a mentor of Diaco, he was just talking about in general that the the beauty of the three four defense is that. You, assu- you know that four people are going to come, you know, in a normal rush. That's just no matter – I don't care if you're in a 3, four, four, three five, two, whatever. Four guys are going to come, right? And in a 4-3, you know right. who those four are. In a 3-4, four, that fourth guy can come from any direction. And, and I, I have no doubt that Diaco can be a master of bringing guys from different places and making the offense not know where that's coming from. Whether that is guys standing up the way that Wisconsin does, I'm just saying the look might – look a little
0: different but the the result could be the same fair enough fair enough all right cool all right guys anything else you want to talk about defensively anything else you're looking for this week well it's
3: not entirely related to defense but i think it's kind of important to see how special teams actually plays this year Yeah, Uh, I really agree with that. Yeah, when we look at last season, just our punting stats were, I mean, they were terrible, let's be honest. It it was a tough situation to be in, we know that. And I think it's safe to say our uh, special teams coordinator didn't do us any favors with his uh, rigid scheduling and uh, practice. So I believe we were somewhere in the 90s as far as punting goes, if not even worse, as far as net punting, and somewhere in the 70s in net returns. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you can even improve that... A few yards a game. I mean, you're looking at such a vast improvement. I, I, and, and it, yeah, it can take Diaco's, a huge load off our defense. Set things up a lot easier for them.
1: I think those two mm-hmm. sides of the of the yeah. the punt game. One of them's a very individual thing. The punter. He just has to do better. I mean, and I think in a obviously he was brought in last year in difficult circumstances and and all that. But I think with another year under his belt, we can assume that he's going to be better. What what that looks like, we'll find out the punt return game i'm really interested to see if we just mix it up a little bit schematically i haven't seen a two two return set since basically back in the day of you know gross and craver we used to have different times where we'd have two guys back there how many times in the last few years and, and riley's mentioned how now kickers are doing the rugby style kicks and all that how many times have we had one returner and somebody kicks it and it goes over his head or it starts rolling and we never pick it up and the thing rolls for 30 yards Put two guys back there. If you've got if if Tajon's that good and and if you've got personnel there, put them both back there. And at at the very least, what's the worst thing they're going to do? Catch it and call fair catch and not give up twenty yards of rolling.
0: Yeah, they suddenly can't kick away from us. Exactly. So
1: I mean, let's you know, that's just schematically. I'm curious to see if they change up. I'm curious to see if on the uh, on the punting side, are we still going to have big offensive linemen sitting you know five yards in the backfield? You know, the, the, they're the the, oh, the protectors, God, yeah. which that I've never been a big fan of that, and then it totally takes away any any. Uh Opportunity to fake anything. Yeah. I Didn't we try a fake like a year or two ago and some 300-pound guy was running with it? It was a
0: disaster. That was a disaster. I mean, yeah, hopefully everything that Bruce Reed did is gone and we have completely different-looking special teams. Didn't Caleb didn't like Lightborn fake it
2: last year? Didn't he just take off and run with it at one point? That yeah, was a yeah. disaster. Forgot to punt it. I don't know what happened. It was
0: so bad.
2: You had one job, Caleb.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, Diaco's working directly with Lightborn, so that, that's that got to get better uh, hopefully, the whole blocking scheme is different. Sounds like Scott Berker, Booker's obviously taken a lot with the special teams uh, and brought a lot of energy to that. So, yeah, that's a good point, Boomer. Thanks for bringing that up.
2: Quick question, um, just out of curiosity, at what position group or what part of this team do you honestly think, if you look at it, do you expect to be worse than last year? Like, is there a, is there a group that you're like, man. We're just no way we're going to be better than this last year.
1: I think that's that's the question mm. of the of the year right there, Mac. Because for anyone that says five and seven and six and six, all you can do is say, "Well, we went nine and four a year ago, and where are we going to be worse?" I'll give an answer to your question, and it's a lousy answer. I'll say that our QB run game, our QB, you know, ability to get out of some sacks with his feet, that that part of the game is going to be worse. But that's that's by intention. Sure. That's you know we we're expecting Tanner Lee not to be using his feet the way that Armstrong did. We expect him to be able to get away from the rush by releasing the ball faster, you know, all those things. Right. You know, that's sure. what's going to counter that, but outside of that, there's not a single part of this team. Think of think of the lines.
2: What about wide receiver? I mean, I there you I mean Wester Wester Camp would be nice to have back and and um Seth and Carter would be nice to have back. I mean, and certainly Nate or uh, not, it'd be nice to have an Brandon well. Riley, 87s, man. They always get me.
0: Well, Mac, that's your point in the sense that I mean, a lot of these five and seven predictions are coming from the fact that what 90 some percent of our production offensively is gone, right? And we, yeah. we don't have a, a tight end that's caught the ball, we have barely any wide receivers that have caught the ball. Um, our running backs, you know, I mean, I. It, I, I absolutely hear what you're saying to Honk, but it's the production that was on the field last year that's missing, I guess. And I, it's hard for me to actually see where they don't see where there's some improvements there. Um, it, just from a, from the wide receiver standpoint, being healthy mm-hmm. enough with our starting three, if we could just keep the, the top three or four guys on the field, that will be better than what we had for most of last year. Well, that's, year, that's so. part of
1: it too. I mean, you, you look at last year's team and, and you know – I don't want to beat up on guys that aren't playing for us anymore, but that receiving core for it, it was full of promise every year. And with the exception of Westerkamp really, you know, made a lot of catches over the course of his career, but guys like Riley and Moore, they have a ton of potential, but they were hurt the whole time. So they barely played. Well, See, they Carter, hurt a lot. you know, Carter was always filled with, with, with hope and, and, and in some cases hype. And there were some, places where you can look at it and say the quarterback didn't get him the ball, but then you can go back to that Oregon game a year ago where, where it was a third down and and Armstrong yep, got him right. the ball right where he needed to and he dropped it. Didn't make the big play when we needed to. And then Armstrong came back the next I think, you know, next play and completed it to Westerkamp. Next play. You know, and Westerkamp was the, yeah. the go-to guy before he got hurt, you know.
2: That seemed to be the way it always went. It was It was like if Armstrong was on that day, our receivers would kind of let us down. And vice versa, man. It was just it seemed like we could just never get on the same mm-hmm. page. If that would just go away this year. Again, in my head it already has. You know, I'm on game week, <laughs> boys. This is like this is like looking it. real pretty inside my head, but well it, <laughs> you think about a quarterback making it easy to catch a ball. You know, Tommy was okay about getting it within a catch radius, but to actually get the ball into a spot where the wide receiver can turn and run with it. Immediately, or be you know sure. don't have to kill any momentum that those oh. yards will add up so quickly by the end of the game. you know what's a seven yard out turns into a twelve yard because he because he had momentum mm-hmm. you know or it's not thrown behind him, so he didn't have to stop and it didn't get tipped and it didn't get picked you know there, there's a whole bunch of things that just accuracy and timing. We'll take care of in this offense. I'm excited to see how that looks. Sorry for the no, sidebar. I, I, was just, I think that's I was just a good.
1: I think that. that's a good point. Yeah, good I think stuff. with our running backs, we lose newbie, and I think Newby was a well-developed back. Let's give Reggie Davis some credit. I think he, I like newbie. He, he I do developed like newbie nicely over two years, better than I think maybe he was getting developed prior. And I think we have. Uh, I have no excuses for our running back situation right now. We've got plenty of guys there. We can, you, not, you know, I don't want any injuries, but. It's actually a position you could afford to have somebody have to miss if they had to, but obviously we don't want any of that. What I would what I would say most people look at in a team, it's the old-fashioned saying of, you know, it's like it's in the trenches. What What's going on in the trenches? Well, what Nebraska has going on in the trenches right now is five offensive linemen that have, re, you know, at least four returning starts coming back. That typically, we're going to talk about a team that we're playing on Saturday that doesn't have that. And that's a pretty important thing, and we have it. And we feel like we have – some some pretty good depth built on the o-line on the d-line we feel like we have some pretty good depth because the year prior everybody left and last year we got all this this experience all of a sudden on the d-line so in the trenches yeah it's true that those are the points where you know to your point mac like where where are we where are we not better at i it's really hard for me to find a spot where i can sit there and say we're not better almost across the board right now i'm not sure that we're not better at safety and we lost nate jerry or gary I, I'm, I'm not positive that that we aren't better there.
2: Yeah,
0: I agree. No. I guess we're going to find out, aren't we? That's I guess cornerback.
2: That now that I think about it, Chris Jones being going down, that's one position that you can't say that didn't hurt. But we still have athletes yeah. there. Yeah, and we still have you Jones. Know? He still so could come back true. and
1: and still play, and we'll we'll find that out. And we and it's so funny, you know. No excuses. We're going to replace those corners with. Four-star Lamar Jackson and four-star Eric Lee. You know, that's –
0: there's worse situations you can be in. Sure, sure. All right, guys, good stuff, good stuff. Uh, Why don't we go ahead and uh, we'll take a break, but we'll be coming back with scarlet colored glasses. We'll do uh, opponent breakdown of Arkansas State and then some final Husker predictions.
1: You're listening to the Go Big Redcast.
2: And now, Scarlet Colored Glasses.
0: All right, next on the Go Big Redcast is Scarlet Colored Glasses. This is all things Husker program, and we're going to be breaking down Arkansas State. Uh, this is our first uh, um, opponent breakdown of the year, the Red Wolves, uh, out of Jonesboro, Arkansas. Um they are uh, Sun Belt foes. We've had some Sun Belt teams uh, in the past come up to Lincoln. Arkansas State's been here, I think, twice. Uh, Honky, what have you been? Uh, what have you been reading about the Red Wolves? Yeah, the Red Wolves—they've
1: uh, won some conference titles in recent years. And as to your point there, Dave, we
0: uh, Nebraska's two. They're a cradle of coaches, aren't yeah. they? Right. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, Hugh Freeze, Gus Malzahn. Mm-hmm. Nebraska's
1: yep. 2-0 and all-time against them uh, in 2009. We beat them 38-9, to, to and then in 2012, beat them 42-13. And if you guys recall, that was the game that Pelini left at halftime, I believe, with uh, Angina. And uh, that's the same uh, same ailment that forced Coach Ed Gennaro in necessary roughness to sit out most of the game against the number one Texas Colts. Thankfully, defensive coordinator Wyatt wow, Rigg was able to step in and lead the Armadillos to an upset win. But uh, I digress. That's
0: inspiring. Yes. Uh, I think that's been captured in a movie of some sort, <laughs> wasn't it? I, I remember that now. But
1: la- longest yard or something like that.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah that was it. Yes. Yeah.
1: But last
3: They had a Brian female Song, kicker on that team, didn't yes, they? they
1: had Kathy Ireland, yeah. kicking for him. That was. Oh that yeah, was, right. Um, and Scott Bakula, I think, was the quarterback. He was Why
2: didn't like, that movie do better? I can't believe it didn't get it a fresh was... rating from Rotten Tomatoes. It seems weird. Yeah. <laughs> Well anyway, continue yeah. your breakdown there huh? uh, Last
1: cool. year they started 0 and four but ended the season eight and five. So they turned it around. They won their bowl game against Scott Frost in and, and Central Florida thirty one to thirteen in the Cure Bowl. And that's yeah,
0: not the band right. Cure Bowl. It looks pretty good doing it, bowl. yeah.
1: Uh
0: but Robert Smith is the halftime show. <laughs> I That'd would go awesome. to a
3: bowl sponsored by the Cure. Yeah. That would be
0: outstanding. Everything really dark and gloomy yeah. and very. You no, know, bands should free eyeshadow and everything. That you would gets be
1: great band. if, yeah, if I mean, some of these bowl names are so stupid anymore. It'd be great if a couple like the Pearl Jam Bowl or the Nirvana Bowl or something. That'd be nice. But
2: if it was a cured ham, I would go. Ooh. I'd love cured ham.
1: <laughs> Anywho, back to this season in 2017, they are very uh, confident. Uh, Arkansas State coach Blake Anderson, even last month, told the World Herald that N. U. is beatable in an interview. So. Uh, what does that Arkansas State team have coming into the season? Will they have a quarterback?
0: Wait a second, Hawk. Wait a second. Hold on. Wait a second. So Blake Anderson says that we're Mm -hmm. beatable, yet uh, under the guidance of such Blake Anderson, the uh, the Red Wolves have probably thought that Tennessee was beatable in 2014 when they lost 34-19, or Miami of Florida was beatable when they lost 41-20. Or maybe USC was beatable when they lost to the Trojans 55 to six to kick off the 2015 season, um, or even last year. Well I'm sure they probably thought Auburn was Dave, beatable when they lost to them 31 to Ain't your to concern,
1: baby. Like I don't think like that Dave. word he means anything on his
0: predictions of his non-conference foes being beatable. That's the past, baby. This is 2017. Please. Yeah.
1: <laughs> the Red continue. Wolves I'm sorry. Here. I just
0: had to. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he hasn't even come close to beating any of these teams. Yeah, I mean, yeah. closest thing he came was beat, oh, losing to Missouri by a touchdown. Well, in 2017, they, they
1: have their fourth-year well, like junior year, uh, quarterback, Andy Justice Hanson. He's 6'4", 207. He's a former four-star recruit, played at Oklahoma, for, or redshirted at Oklahoma, and then was behind Trevor Knight and Baker Mayfield on their post-2015 depth chart, uh, spring depth chart. Never played there, so he transfers to Butler Community College. Then he transfers. Arkansas so he never played pro Oklahoma right is that away, correct? but a game or two into the season, he well probably after they started zero and four. Somewhere along the line, he became the starter. He ends up completing fifty-eight percent of his passes, twenty-seven hundred yards, nineteen touchdowns, eight eight uh, ints last year. So he's a bit of a pro-style QB. He also ran for one hundred and thirty-one yards and a touchdown. So he has some mobility to go along with that. They, they kind of have a, a, a team that's a little bit littered with, with some knockoff players from some D1 schools. So they have a 6'5", 212-pound wide receiver, Kendrick Edwards, who's a transfer from Arkansas. He got dismissed from Belima there, which I don't know what in the world you have to do to get dismissed from, from Arkansas. My goodness. Their wow. offensive line, and I mentioned this a little bit earlier. It's tough to have do. They nobody back. They are starting five fresh faces. Uh, so... This is, kind of reminds me of, like, Revenge of the Nerds and they're playing poker. And, you know, it's like, here's five new cards. Wow. You know, yeah, here's five new offensive linemen starters for you. Uh, and welcome to Memorial Stadium for your first game. They have one freshman, two sophomores, and two juniors on the O-line. Uh, on the defensive side of things, uh, their D-line is going to be what they're most known for right now. Their DN Javon Rollin-Jones, 6'2", 244. He's an NFL prospect, had 20.5 tackles for a loss, seven hurries last year. And on top of that, their defensive tackle, uh, D-Liner, 6'3", 325, big dude. Eight and a half tackles for a loss last year. He was a former top 50 recruit and transferred from Alabama. So they'll have some individual talent, some individual you know players. But um, all in all, I mean, this is a team that, that should be overwhelmed by what Nebraska has here in, in, in week one.
2: Yeah, these are great teams kind of to open up with because they, they can give you some good looks athletically at first, you know, to kind of see your matchups and stuff, you can match speed. It's a little more game speed. But, but you're right, Matthew, by the, by the end of the game, our depth should completely overwhelm them to the point where I mean, even our first team versus the first team, we should be pretty, pretty well off and doing what we want to do. But, but yeah, they'll, at least there will be some talent on there to get a look.
1: Yeah, I was outspoken about it a couple of our shows back where I, I've said it all along, there's no excuses that I have for this Nebraska team. And I'm not going to sit here and try to talk up Arkansas State and make this into something that, you know, this is a closer game than I think it should be. It shouldn't be. This should be a game, in my mind, very similar to what we did with, say, a Fresno to start off last year too. And to Dave's point, for all the confidence that Arkansas State can come into Lincoln with, uh, they may have had that exact same confidence in all those other games you mentioned. So, But I, I have one other thing here. This is an interesting scheduling quirk or whatever. Arkansas yeah. State, most of those games they've played obviously have been away games against those Power 5 schools, but after they play us, they host Miami and not Ohio, Florida. They they host the Hurricanes in Jonesboro, Arkansas a couple weeks after they play us.
2: Did somebody not read that contract right? It's that is shocking. Like that was a mistake. I
0: mean, I mean that's just...
2: Yeah, they're like, oh, no. <laughs>
3: <laughs> they thought it was actually Arkansas they were playing.
2: He had his thumb over the ST yeah, part in the contract. Did Miami give him
0: I'm like, like oh, a 4-for-1 or game. something, right? Well, I-Course like, like, used to like, be
1: the AD at Miami. Maybe that was like his last move he did before he left. <laughs> Just
0: embarrassed him. That's true. Wow, well, that's that's interesting. All right, well, um, what else should we know about uh, Arkansas State, guys? Boomer, well, I thought Hoggy summed it up pretty nicely, this, actually. Uh, first opponent. Good job, Honky. He did, Thank didn't you. he? I was impressed. I was well, you well skinned done. Skin them wolves. Uh, <laughs> well researched and thoughtful. I learned a lot. <laughs> I'm so much more prepared for that game now. Uh, all right, man. Well, um, you know, before we go on to uh, Husker predictions uh, in part two of Scarlet Colored Glasses, boomer, do we got a uh, trivia poll for the week? Trivia time. Of course we do.
3: All right. Looking forward to the season here. Um, if Nebraska is, of course, starting the season unranked, unfortunately, in the uh, AP or coaches poll. So for trivia this week, uh, looking back in Husker history, what is the best finish a Nebraska team has ever had after starting the season unranked in the AP poll?
0: That's a good question, Mike. That's a good question. Really good question. I'm, well, it would require I a could season. I imagine some of our early.
1: Yeah, it would require a year where we Go didn't ahead, start. Yeah, it would require a year where we didn't start, obviously, in the AP poll. And for 90% of the Devaney and Osborne years, that wouldn't be the case. So what I would – there are two seasons that – and it also can't be one of the years before, like, 36, because I think that's when the AP poll first started. So you can eliminate all those uh, Ewald Jumbo yeah, Stein years. the AP poll years, sometimes is only, like, 10.
0: That Boomer loves. Hey, honk. Um, honk? Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes the AP poll is only like top 10, though, right? So, I mean, we could have been a, a top, you know, predicting to have a pretty good year, but it, it, they only had a top 10 preseason, mm-hmm. you know? So I'd just be, throw a little caution to that. That's make sure we think about that. That's a good point. Even some of Devaney's early years, like the early 60s, might have only been a, a top 10 poll. So.
1: That's a good point. I, I mean, the the two years that immediately jumped off the the page to me. I was thinking it was 62, which was his first season, Devaney's, because obviously we wouldn't have been preseason ranked. And then we end up beating Miami in the Gotham bowl. And that year, what nine and two or nine and three, probably nine and two, nine and three, something like that. Uh, so that year could have been one. I'm also thinking 1969 giggity, uh, which is right after the two, six and four years we had, we wouldn't have started. Uh, we wouldn't have started uh, right. ranked. And then we end up beating Georgia in the sun bowl. And, had I mean, finished that season pretty well. So both of those teams, 62 and 69, are kind of the ones that come to mind. But that's a good Anything point, David. about the, under, the top ten. Anything more
0: recent
1: under Bo? No. Bo yeah. is generally preseason ranked. But I don't think that we would have finished higher ranked under Bo than we would have in either sixty. Two or sixty? I mean, in sixty-nine, I think we would have finished. I'm guessing we would have finished top ten. And Bo obviously never finished top ten. So, if I, I'm going to just say sixty-nine is my my guess, but it's a guess.
0: Mac, you, you like to uh, second that or go your
2: own? Well, wasn't the question how high did we end up ranked, not the well, year?
0: Either one. However, you'd like to approach it.
2: Um, well, let's get. I'll say eleven. And I don't have a year, but I'll go with Honky '69, <laughs> like eleven and a '69.
0: I'll go with uh, I'll go with '62 to be in, uh, different and say that we uh, finished uh, ninth.
3: All right, well, that was actually uh, pretty impressive. You guys came very close on that. Uh, the correct answer, mm-hmm. uh, technically, is the 1963 season. Uh, we did uh. finish. We finished fifth that year in the mm-hmm. final AP poll. That was one of those odd years where they did only have 10 teams that they ranked, Aha. so it can be kind of difficult to see if there was any preseason ranking where we would have fallen in that. Uh, the 69 season, you are so correct, I was we did dead finish on 11th, right. and, the, uh, okay. and the top 20 they were doing at that point in time, so that is another good, uh, good answer. Yep, We did have a couple of other good seasons back in 36, 1940, where we finished 9th and 8th in the poll. They didn't do preseason polls back then. That didn't start until 1950, but uh, they didn't start the first poll that year until was usually the second or third week in October. But we weren't ranked in either of those when they first came out, so they did well. And then both uh, Frankie and Bill did have a season where we started unranked and did finish in the top 25. So you are correct, it never happened under Osborne or
0: uh, under Bo. Interesting. But very good answer. Great. Well.
2: Yeah.
0: Wow. Hmm. well, you learn something every day. But the correct answer would have been uh, the 1963 team, which finished fifth. Is that correct? Correct. Fifth in the AP wow. poll. Devaney's first.
2: So the but, the most we can hope for Devaney's is the first
1: place finish. Uh, conference. Oh, we can do better than Historically. that. Historically. Yeah. Yeah. Devaney's first conference champion. Yeah. Uh, Nebraska beat Oklahoma. Bud Wilkinson's Oklahoma the day after JFK is shot it's one of the only games played that weekend and uh Nebraska took a little bit and Oklahoma took a little bit of heat but I guess Bud Wilkinson was on some presidential council of you know athletics or something so he knew JFK and and he kind of said well I think JFK would want the game to be played so Nebraska Oklahoma was one of the only games played that that weekend and that was Devaney's uh, first and last win against uh, Wilkinson. I think he retired after that season, and, and that was Nebraska's first Big 8 championship under Devaney. It's
0: cool. Good story. Yeah.
2: Way to double down on trivia. Bam. Very nice.
0: Alright, well, we're talking win-loss records, and can the Huskers actually finish uh, in the polls? Uh, they're starting out of the polls. So, let's uh, let's dive into it. Um, really quick here, guys. Uh, last week, we were breaking down the big Big Ten Conference. Now let's just focus on Nebraska's Nebraska's position in that. Um, so what do you what do you got there, Boomer? What's your final prediction for a win loss for Nebraska?
3: Well, I'm and sticking with what I done last week, and I, I do unfortunately see Wisconsin winning the West again. Um, I, I kind of went through, looked at each game, kind of analyzed what I think we're gonna do. What I ended up with was an eight and four record to end the season i think there's going to be some wins that the national pundits don't see us winning i think we're going to win i think we'll beat oregon i don't quite understand the the love that oregon has for any complaints we have about things like you know new coaches and new staffs and new everything they have that in spades i mean starting brand new everything yeah it's true i think we're going to beat iowa this year i just have a feeling about it so i think that'll we'll we're end due. the season on a success there yeah, but i do have uh, four losses in there uh Three that we'd probably expect. I, I, you know, Wisconsin, Ohio State, Penn State, and I think there's got to be one more in there somewhere. Uh, penciled in Northwestern right now, just kind of a placeholder. There'll be that one loss we don't quite expect.
0: But all right, eight and four, relatively um, uh, not that rosy. Uh, Mac, what do you got?
2: Um, I'm waffling a little bit. I want to, I want to aim high, but I'm going to keep it, I'm going to keep it real. But I don't see I don't think we lose a game till we get to Wisconsin and then I don't think we lose that game. Ohio State will be a challenge. Probably lose that game. So we'll give him that one.
0: That's guess it's a six and one.
2: If Penn State, a loss. And that's really the only other one I'm gonna concede. I won't concede Iowa. I won't concede Northwestern. I don't live my life that way, folks. I'm sorry. I can't be a Husker fan any other way. I don't even. You could convince me we could win every game, but that's just me. This is this is this is uh, like I said. This is week one. We're, I'm fired right. up, but uh, just to be reasonable, Ohio State and Penn State. I'll give those Fair losses. Fair enough.
1: Honky, what, what do you got? Well, I think it's funny. A week ago, we, we gave Mike the MVP for being the guy that was, you know, going out of the box with some of his picks, and then he picks Nebraska to go 8-4, and four, which is what we've done eight of the last nine years, basically. So it's, you know, same old, same old. My prediction – I call him like I see him. <laughs> my prediction, and you guys will never let me get away with it. My prediction is we're going to go 8-1. and one. I mean, I think our start and, – and that's my lock. I'm going to lock in that we are 8-1 and one after nine games. Uh, if you break this season into one. segments, All right. that's a it's lock. A lock. <laughs> I, I, my lock is we're going to beat Oregon early, and we're going to be 5-0, and oh and we're going to play Wisconsin. We're going to play a team that we, under uh, Riley, and, and something that gives me a lot of hope, not hype, hope is that we've played a very physical Wisconsin team very well under Riley. Lost with a last-second field goal, lost in overtime. We're going to get over the hump, and we're going to beat Wisconsin. If we beat Wisconsin we beat Oregon, we are 6-0, and and we have game day in Lincoln hosting Ohio State. I'll give us a loss to Ohio State, albeit a much better loss than the one Dave and I went to in Columbus a year ago. And that's not hard to, to do, obviously. But I I'll call so. it a fourth-quarter game, and we'll, we'll lose to Ohio State. I think after that it's like Rutgers or Illinois or Purdue or somebody. I, I can't remember the exact team right after Ohio State, Purdue. Purdue. And then – and then it's uh, uh, Northwestern, and this is that no excuse thing. We just have to get over whatever the heck our problem with Northwestern at home is, because we haven't had that big problem with them on the road. We we've, we've played, especially the last two times out in Evanston, we've played them really well, like beat them pretty soundly. So I, you know, we're eight and one after nine games. The question becomes November. And, and it's not the opponents. I don't look at any one of the three and go, oh, my gosh, it's Minnesota, it's Penn State, it's Iowa. We can't physically, talent-wise, compete with them. It is where I almost want to reassess is after we're 8-1, and one, and we can be a very good 8-1, and one. we could be ranked high. I want to look at those those nine games and go, can we run the ball? Are we physical? Because in November, we're going to be playing at Minnesota, at Penn State, Iowa the, in Lincoln the day after Thanksgiving. Those are going to be games that we have got to be able to, to run the football, got to be physical and all that. Now, the reality is if we're sitting at 8-1 and one at that point, I'm probably feeling pretty darn confident about November. So, because you're not going to let me get away with just doing nine games, I'm going to say that we're going to beat Minnesota on the road. We'll beat Iowa at home. I'll give Penn State a loss. We finish 10-2. and two. We win the West. We're playing Ohio State for the, uh, for, the for the conference title. We've already got the graphic out there on Twitter, so it's official. Uh, we think that Ohio State's gonna win, so that puts us at ten and three at the end of the season. We go to a bowl game. I'm gonna give us the win in the bowl game. We go eleven and three.
0: Finally break out of the four loss cycle. I like it. I like that's it. Right?
1: Well that's right. And and we have a lot of hope. A lot of hope coming back for two thousand eighteen with, with Riley and, and staff. We're in the right direction.
0: Sure, sure I hear yeah. you. All right, good stuff. Um I took the little opposite approach to the season, Honk. I, I think that we might start a little bit slower than expected. So what, one and eight? Um, <laughs> yeah, that's that's it. I'm going one and eight, guys. I will not Mark be podcasting
2: down. if we get to one and eight. This show will be canceled as far this as I This show
1: expect. is over at the end. The Redcast. The Redcast red talking if to you about bowling.
2: bowling. It will be <laughs> We'll just do the sound <laughs> of wind blowing. That's what the podcast will be. No one will be we, listening anyway. We always have Nebraska. Uh, month, so. That's right.
0: No, I was thinking, I'm just saying that I think we might start a little slower. I am a little worried about uh, Oregon. I hope I'm proven wrong, but they should have beat us last, last year, to be honest with you, um, and we're out there. And I agree. They're, I don't think they're, you know, anything to be feared, but Royce Freeman was running – all over us uh, last year until they got injured. And if they would have just simply made a couple extra points, they, they clearly would have won that game even without him. So let's uh, not uh, think we were that that great uh, against Oregon even last year in that victory. Uh, so we might start slow. I have a hunch we uh, win, beat Wisconsin, lose to Ohio State, come back. And uh, for some reason I got a hunch we'll lose somewhere in that, that mix with, against some team we shouldn't lose to. Uh, but maybe we beat Penn State at the end of the year and we have that momentum going into the bowl game. Um we'll see. We'll see. So what's your record? Um all right, good stuff, guys. What's your record though, Dave? Uh nine and three nine and three. Uh win the West with that because with beating Wisconsin, I think Wisconsin will lose once somewhere else. So we'll go uh seven and yeah, seven and two in conference, which would be the same as Wisconsin, but we have the So Tigers. you basically my, basically you, my, you have the same
1: character. record I do, with the exception of you have us losing to Oregon.
0: Yeah. Gotcha.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. Well, no, you did you say ten and two or nine and 2 You said
1: nine and three. I have us losing to Ohio State and Penn State, and you have us losing those two. And and and, and in terms of Wisconsin, for people that are wondering where would Wisconsin get that second loss, they do have Michigan come to Camp Randall later in the season, and you know, and then they they play Iowa and you know Minnesota. There's a there's a loss potentially out there. Yeah,
0: it it's out there. Dave, you're not as high on Wisconsin as
1: as. As, like, Mac and I were a, a week ago. So, I mean, you- yeah,
0: yeah, they lost another linebacker here recently, too. So, I yep. mean, um, yeah, I think we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Um, all right, guys. Well, uh, sounds like that's a, it's a pretty good breakdown of uh, the, uh, Nebraska for now. Let's uh, move into uh, our prediction section. This is the first time we've done this uh, on the podcast, but something we've been doing for years. Um, and we have uh, the games of the week, essentially. So um, we typically do 10 games, including Nebraska, um, and we've got 10 picked out. Uh, I'll start um, with uh, these, and we we'll just do this as rapid fire as we can. Whenever you find a game that you are extremely high on, you let me know that that's your lock of the week, and we'll go from there. Let's start with... Um, Maryland versus Texas. Terps Longhorns. Honky, what do you got? I have Texas. Texas. Boomer. Texas. Mac. Texas. I'll join you and make that 4 0 for Texas. Let's do uh, Colorado State. Colorado. Honky.
1: I have Colorado.
2: Mac. I'm going Colorado State. They had a strong start to the season. Nice. Boomer?
3: Colorado.
0: I'm going with the Rams. I think they can do it again. Yep. I like both of these teams overall, but I was very impressed with the Rams. Watched a big portion of that game. Um, all right. How about uh, West Virginia, Virginia Tech? Let's reverse this. Uh, Boomer, what do you got?
3: Well, that's uh, two teams I don't know a heck of a lot about. Um... We're just going to go with Virginia Tech. All right. Mac.
2: West Virginia Mountain Mama. <laughs> and hockey.
0: I have Virginia Tech. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to go West Virginia on that one. No, no. I'm going to go Virginia Tech. I'm going to go Va Tech. That's a tough
2: one. I mostly just wanted to say West Virginia Mountain Mama, but I think Virginia Tech is pretty good. Pick two. <laughs> All right. How about uh,
0: BYU versus LSU? This is a game that looks like it's getting moved to uh, Dallas. No, uh, New Orleans. Uh, super New down. Orleans. That's right. it's, uh, it's now in. in it's Louisiana, closer to LSU, right LSU now. Correct. Neutral, Bengals, neutral site so game. Yeah, neutral site right. game. Boomer, or, uh,
3: who do you got? Uh, this is LSU, and this is going to be my lock of the week here. Basically, LSU's. getting a home game.
2: Really? yeah Mac. I'm actually going BYU. Woo! I, yeah, I think they're a sneaky team.
0: I like it. All right, honk. I have LSU. Yep, makes sense. All right, so uh, Mac went I'm on a limb there. I like that. I'm taking LSU. Um, don't don't see that happening. Um, all right, you got to uh, go first here, Dave. This, one of this these is times. one I've been looking forward to. Dave, you have to go first one of these times. Oh, why not? Why? Why don't I take – well, I usually go first in all of these. (laughs) Um, Let's uh, go with uh, Iowa versus Wyoming, two Nebraska border states. Uh, They should play this in Kearney or something. (laughs) Neutral site game. Um, (laughs) Neutral site game. Cope Field. (laughs) Neutral site game in Kearney, Iowa versus Wyoming. Uh, (laughs) I'll take – this is in Iowa. Is that right, Hark? That that is correct. Uh, Just – just to piss you off, I'm going to go with Iowa.
1: <laughs> That's all right.
0: Uh, Honk, what do, who do you have then? Who do you have? Who do this you have? is my lock of the week. I'm going with Wyoming. Nice. Boomer, do you know the spread on this by chance? Uh, wait, wait.
3: Not off the top of my head, but I can find it for you as we uh, chat here. But um, as I'm far intrigued. as the, the game itself, uh, God, I hate to pick Iowa, but let's go with Iowa.
2: Yeah, all right. Mac. Man. I actually hate this, but I feel like this is a prime upset for Wyoming to come in I think Honky's right on this one and it kills me. <laughs> but I'm I'm gonna pick Wyoming on there. I didn't I...
1: want anyone picking them with me. I wanna be do we get like double points
2: Then I do I'm... we get double uh, points
3: for the lock? If you'd like the spread, I've got that What's for you here. Vegas is saying uh, Iowa by eleven and a half with a fifty one and a half over under. Wow. Jeez. wow. A
1: higher over under than Nebraska. I like the points. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure Do we get double points for our lock of the week?
3: We get points for this in so no any way, way shape, or form?
2: Do our points convert into some sort of Dave and Buster's kind of <laughs> game card?
3: 500 points get you a lobster harmonica,
1: so
0: yes. Uh, all right, this is going nowhere Sorry. fast. Did everybody pick this
1: game yet? Yes, we did.
3: Yeah, all right, we did. Good. Everyone's picked
0: it. Uh, and Dave Dave, and Mac still need to do a lock of the week at some point. All right, we're going into uh, Texas A&M, UCLA. What do you got? Uh, let's go Mac 1st We're UCLA, A&M. This is another neutral site, right? This is at UCLA.
1: Yeah, it's a it's an ro- actual true road game. I'm going game.
0: UCLA. Yep. Oh, it's an actual road
2: game. It's like yeah, I'm path. going UCLA. Yeah.
0: All right, Uh Boomer
3: an actual road game for an SEC team. They must have scheduled this back in the Big 12 <laughs> exactly. days, I like uh, uh It's early season. The SEC always wins these, so we'll go A&M.
0: Nice. hockey I've got A&M. I will go... Man, I do not like this at all. I don't like this game at all, guys. I'll go A&M. Mac is
1: yeah. either going to be ahead by like six games on all of us, or <laughs> he's going to be way behind. He's yeah. he's picking a little, bit a little different every one.
0: Yeah. All right, we got uh, another neutral site coming up here. We got Florida versus Michigan. Florida's got all those suspensions, but Michigan's young uh, and very
3: yellow with their uniforms.
0: Yes, they are breaking out the West Virginia motif.
2: Um In the honey mustard. <laughs> Uniforms. that's right Mac since you're going opposite of everybody who do you got this one um I'm gonna keep it in conference I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Michigan I don't yeah I'll take Michigan on this one this will be my lock of the week because otherwise wow. it's gonna be Nebraska Arkansas State lock of all the right. week uh boomer
3: uh the all maze uniforms are gonna set them back about six points but I still think uh, Michigan's gonna pull this one off
0: yep uh
1: honky Got Florida winning this one here. Uh, The injuries do do bother me a bit, or the suspensions. I'm sorry, but Michigan's just so young. But we'll find out.
0: Yeah, I I'm gonna take Michigan as well on this one. I'll I'll go that way. Uh, All right. uh, I think it was one of the last games played this week. Tennessee versus Georgia Tech. I'll take Tennessee as my lock of the week.
1: Who'd you take, Dave? Tennessee. Tennessee, and that's your lock. Okay.
0: Yep.
2: I'll take Tennessee.
3: Yeah, Tennessee is the easy pick here, I think. Georgia Tech's suspended their – or actually, what, released their running back, I guess, so to speak. I never know right. why, but, uh, yeah, they're tough to replace if you're Georgia Tech this late in the season. So, Tennessee.
0: Tennessee. <laughs> and Honky?
1: Boy, I don't I, – I'm He's picking given way thought. too many SEC ones here, but I'm sticking with, with Tennessee, too.
0: All right, that's a it's a 4-0 there for it Was the actually balls. the Tennessee right. 3 Tasteful, really. was yeah. the Johnny
2: Cash band was Tennessee yeah. 3. But that's okay. Nice.
0: And then uh, game going off by the same time, Nebraska plays Arkansas State, Alabama versus Florida State. Uh Honky, let's start with you. I have Florida State. Nice. Wow. All right. All right, Mac. I'm going Alabama. Alabama. All right. Boomer
3: yeah, well, because the world is so dark, Alabama.
0: <laughs> you can't be that optimistic. Yeah, I'm going to take Alabama too. Um, should be a should be a really good game, though, no doubt. All right, well, um, let's. Uh, we're saving the Nebraska pick for later, but let's talk about this game a little bit, right, guys? Um, looks like we. I mean, we broke it down pretty well as, as, as you'd expect, but. Um, I, I don't see this being that competitive of a game. I've already mocked uh, Arkansas State, so that's that's no secret. Anybody else thinking this is going to be a close one at halftime or, or even uh, further into the game? I
2: mean, it's so hard to tell what this team is going to look like coming out of the gate. You know, so I mean, there's a bunch of newness on each side, but I, it shouldn't be close by halftime. No, it should be pretty well established if we're if we're being efficient with the ball and and tackling and not allowing big plays on defense, this should not be any kind of competition by half. So I'd expect if we are going to be any kind of team to compete, we should be kind of controlling the tempo throughout most of this game.
0: That's fair. Boomer?
3: I think that's probably a fair estimate. I mean, I don't know how, if we're going to come out all guns blazing, but just trying to run some plays, establish a few things. You know, might not be as flashy as fans would hope, you know, coming right out of the gate. But, yeah, if we're not up a couple scores easily by halftime, then maybe there's cause for a little concern. But, yeah, in the long run, I don't see
0: this being a super competitive ballgame. game. Or at least I hope it isn't. Yep, that's the truth. I'm going to the game, so I don't actually want to see a competitive game either. <laughs> uh, all right, guys. Um, I think that probably about does it. We got parting shots? Well,
1: we got to do our prediction and score for the uh, for Nebraska. Oh, oh,
0: wait, we're Nebraska plays this week? Oh, I'm sorry, yeah. Uh, Walhawk, yeah. why don't you do that?
1: I'll start. I'll say Nebraska 43-10, to 10, same score that we beat Fresno uh, last year at start of the season. All right, Mac?
2: I'm going to say they get nine points off of three field goals and Nebraska <laughs> hangs <laughs> 50 points. I'm so rose-colored right now, guys. Very nice. You can't stop me. 50.
0: 50 to nine. 50 to
2: nine.
1: <laughs> Boomer, that's two. That's two overs for. That's two overs from the uh, the over under. So, very nice, Boomer. Uh
3: I think we take its somewhat subdued approach, especially in the second half. Uh, don't try to air it out too much at that point. So, I think it'll be a thirty-eight to ten
0: ball game. I believe. Nice. That's about what I was looking at. I was thinking about 38-13. So I'll I'll take the Huskers with a 25-point victory.
2: I expect some kind of special team or defensive touchdown contribution, but I agree with around 38 offensive
0: points. Oh, I see. I see. Well, thanks Thanks for that. Very nice. I should have
2: clarified that. (laughs) Well, that's important.
0: (laughs) That's right. All right, guys. All right. Anything else on that hawk? Did I miss anything? No, I think we got it all perfect no drama that's right no drama here in the redcast all right let's move on to parting shots uh honky what do you got well i want to create some drama now uh oh. my parting shot is i want
1: to call out fellow redcaster boomer for his continued use of a four dollar north korean microphone while the rest of us <laughs> redcasters pony up for a real mic
0: <laughs> oh public shaming that's that's intense. All right, Boomer, yes, a uh, response? Well, uh, first off, I'd shot? like to
3: note North Korea is happily lobbing missiles over Japan, so their technology is not as, as, as sad as you make it out to be. <laughs> and on a slightly more serious note, Sorry. I would like to just kind of remind our listeners, looking at the devastation in Houston this week, uh, just kind of consider, you know, we've got a great weekend ahead of ourselves, but uh, keep them in mind, and if you can't help out, please do.
0: Nice and Mac,
2: what do you got? Um, I just wanted to take some time to thank the uh, CSU students. I took my kids down there to see the uh, the kickoff this uh, this week. You know, I just wanted to get a game day atmosphere. You know, it was football season. I was excited, and as we were walking down there, the CSU students were so nice to my kids and so including. It was a lot of fun. It was just a great atmosphere. So I really appreciated. It was a great first game day experience for them. And then when they when we go to Lincoln, they'll see how. Nebraska completely blows the doors off of what CSU does, comparatively speaking. <laughs> it's adorable, though, I mean, what they are doing.
0: <laughs> it's it's That's cute. Nice. They built a stadium. It's
2: cute. Right. It's
0: nice. All right. Well, uh, I spent the, uh, the weekend up in Big Ten land in Minnesota uh, playing golf and going to – wedding of my favorite Iowa fan Stevie Cummings uh, who is now Stevie Anderson so just a shout out to Luke and Stevie who got married and uh, hosted a hell of a wedding in the middle of very rainy Minnesota so uh, alright guys let's uh, wrap this up great first uh, week for the Redcast I'm looking forward to the football games talk to you soon No big red All
2: big red GBR. game week baby
0: go by eaters.